The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network. It's Matt Slick Live. Matt is the founder and president of the Christian Apologetics Research Ministry, found online at CARM.org. When you have questions about Bible doctrines, turn to Matt Slick Live for answers. Taking your calls and responding to your questions at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, everyone, welcome to the show. It's me, Matt Slick, and you're listening to Matt Slick Live. I hope you're having a good day. I hope you had a good New Year's Eve and uh, New Year's Day. My wife and I just sat home, watched TV, and relaxed. It was nice. Uh, We were very busy for the time of Christmas and had a lot of people over. Just busy. And so this one we were able to relax. All right, hey, look, who's going to be the first caller of the year. If you want to give me a call, 877-207-2276. If you want, you can listen uh, or and or watch. You can do that in Rumble, just rumble.com. I think if you just want to find out where we're at, you can just go to uh, carm.org forward slash radio and it'll have all the information there for whatever it is that you want to talk about. Uh, well, see, watch, whatever. And you can call me. If you're new to the show, uh, where you a Christian show in that uh, answer questions and have many debates sometimes and discuss various things about uh, the Bible, truth, uh, all kinds of topics, you know, anywhere from UFOs to evolution to the false doctrines of Roman Catholicism, Eastern Orthodoxy, you know, uh, all kinds of stuff. We really do have a lot of interesting conversations. If your eyebrows just went up from my comments, well, then keep listening. And if you don't like what I said, you think I'm just an ignorant person, well, keep listening and see if it's true. Because I have studied these things extensively and love to have discussions on them. In fact, over the weekend, I was involved with some good discussions on Discord and um, Clubhouse uh, discussing the issue of God's existence and the truth. In fact, last night, <laughs> I do this all the time, I went into Oculus, you know, into the virtual world, you know, the metaverse and things like that. I was in rooms and talking and and teaching and answering questions. Love to do it. And how about this? Um, I'm editing my my, uh, first novel, going through editing it. Uh, I've only got about uh, 40 more pages to go, and then I'm going to have someone take a look at it and do their their edits, and I'm going to re-release it. And I'm thinking about starting the second novel uh, in the series, uh, The uh, the Influence. And I've got some interesting ideas I'm thinking about uh, one idea, which I've never heard anybody talk about, anybody ever do, I mean, not to say it hasn't happened, but I'm thinking about introducing a small concept uh, and situation into a second novel, which would be, hopefully, should be uh, really interesting. All right, so um, let's see. Why don't you give me a call, 877-207-2276. I want to say thanks to all of you who uh, supported us. Uh, Getting, say how much how much came in, but I will be saying thanks to people and contacting people and uh, and stuff like that. And then we have to because we're a five hundred one c three ministry. We've got to by the end of the month. We've got to get out the tax receipts. We're working on that too and learning how to do all the reports. It's just a lot of work. Uh, not complaining. It's just what it is. And it takes time. So we're going to be doing that as well. And um, I think that is about. It. So, 
why don't you give me a call, 877-207-2276. And if you don't, what I can do, as I often do, is get into questions and comments um, that people send me an email, and uh, an email. So you can email me at, at uh, info at carm.org, C-A-R-M dot O-R-G, info at carm.org, and you can... Uh, just say radio comment or radio question, and usually I'll, I'll get to them. We're getting kind of low on them, actually. We've been going through a little bit of them. And uh, the beginning of the year is often uh, you know, slow. The end of the year is all kind of slow. Now, having said all of that, today is uh, January 2nd, 2024, the first day of radio for me for this year. So January 2nd was the day that I started doing radio five days a week 19 years ago. So I, I started uh, 19 years ago here in the Boise, Idaho area, um, you know, a five days a week show for an hour. That was 19 years ago. Prior to that, I'd done radio for uh, one day a week for two years. So I just add them together and say that's 21 years of radio that I've been involved with. And uh, I really enjoy radio. People tell me I have a voice for radio. They, they comment about my voice a lot. And then when they see me, they say, hey, you also have a face for radio. And I say, well, thank you very much. So it works out perfectly, doesn't it? So there you go. And if you do want to uh, watch and participate with the other uh, people who join us, you can go to rumble.com, rumble.com forward slash um, Matt Slick Live. All one word, Matt Slick Live. Matt Slick is my real name. This is a radio show, Matt Slick Live. And Slick is my real last name. And so Matt Slick Live, if you want to do that, you can. And um, let's see. Uh, okay. Um, we got a caller coming in. I want you to give me a call, 877 And so I'm working out some plans here. Uh, either this coming weekend or next weekend, uh, I might be going down to, this, to a Salt Lake City area. Just working out some plans. So um, it'll be fun. I'm going to go down and see the new facility that uh, Bill McKeever with Mormonism Research Ministry has established. He and Eric Johnson worked this up, and I haven't seen it yet. I haven't been down there, but uh, I go down there every now and then. So we're thinking about going uh, down uh, down there. In fact, Dave Kimball, a friend of mine who's on the board of directors, is thinking about flying here and then he and I just driving down there for a couple of days, checking things out and stuff like that. We'll probably do it one of those weekends. So, you know, I'm just going through stuff. Yeah, going through stuff. And I just found out um, I'm doing one-minute videos. I'm work I did like seven of them yesterday or day before. I forgot what it was yesterday. And then I just found out a lot of them don't have sound. And it's really been a problem. Um, I, I, I sound check. I do everything. Everything's good. Set them up, and then they, some of them don't have sound. I, so I don't know what the problem is. I'm going to work on those. So I'll redo some of those tonight um, and, and stuff. It's a real, oh, man, it's irritating. It's always tough doing ministry work. You know, wah, wah. It's tough. So uh, those kind of things happen. Hey, what happened to the caller? We were going to get to the caller, I guess. So we lost him. Uh, if you want to give me a call, 877-207-2276. The caller I saw was going to ask the question, do all Jews go to heaven? 
And let me tackle that. The answer is no. Not all Jews go to heaven. There are Jews today who are atheists. There are Jews who are extremely orthodox and believe in keeping the law by which they're then justified. Both of those will, uh, will mean they don't go to heaven. So we are not justified by what we do. Now, the Jews reject the New Testament, and I get that. Um, they do. They reject the New Testament, and so they don't have the Messiah. But according to Christianity, without the Messiah, you don't have any hope of, uh, of going to heaven. So just because they're Jewish doesn't mean that they have a free pass to get into the, uh, to the realm of God's presence. Just because they're covenant people, they have to have trusted in the Messiah. There aren't two ways to get to heaven, one by Jesus, one by being a Jew and keeps the law. That's just not how it works. The book of Galatians soundly refutes that idea. So um, we can only um, get to heaven through Jesus Christ and the Lordship of our Savior Jesus. So that's the only way. And I hope that if you're not a Christian and if you've heard about Christ and you want to know about him, you can call, you can ask questions, I can tell you about him, and I can tell you about uh, what he did on the cross and who he is, being God in flesh and then dying and rising from the dead. And that salvation is only through him, only through him. In fact, that reminds me, I was talking to a Muslim last night in uh, the metaverse. And it was really interesting because, uh, I don't go through a lot of stuff here, jumping around, but uh, I went, it was really interesting. I don't know, I'm just going to talk about this for a little bit. But I went to Surah 1457, 4157, and it was really interesting. For 15 minutes, I asked this guy the same question, and he could not answer it. Could not, either because he was possessed or oppressed, or uh, his worldview was so bad he just couldn't process the question. But it's out of Surah four one fifty seven in the Quran. We uh, they said in both we killed Christ Jesus, the son of Mary, the apostle of Allah. But they killed him not, nor crucified him, but so it was made to appear to them. And those who differ therein are full of doubts. So I asked him, I said, who is the one who made it appear as though Jesus was crucified? And he said, he was not, wasn't crucified. I said, we got that. That's what you guys believe. Who made it appear that he was, but he wasn't crucified? And it was like this. We kept saying, we understand that, but it says it was made to appear. Who's the one who made it appear to it like that? He goes, we don't believe that. Yes, you, that's what the Quran says. No, we don't believe he's crucified. It was really interesting to see how this guy could not answer the question because it means that Allah is a deceiver and he knew that's where he was going for and he wouldn't uh, wouldn't admit it he says no he's not a deceiver he says yeah he is and that's where I was going to prove it I says, so who made it look like us you know because a tafsir or tafsir which is the commentaries done by Muslim uh, experts they're Muslims they write these commentaries and all of them except one that I've read said it was Allah who made it appear the other one that didn't say it just said it was made to appear didn't say who but the other ones say yeah, it was Allah and I said do you agree and he wouldn't answer because we don't believe he's crucified <laughs> it's just ridiculous because the whole point was well hey you know that means that uh, he's a deceiver so uh, that was interesting some of the stuff that I do and uh, talk about stuff and they are justified the same way as the Jews and the Roman Catholics, by faith and works.
and we cannot be saved by works at all. At all. Hey, let's get to Scott from Spokane. Scott, congratulations. You're the first caller of the year. Hey, brother. Welcome. You're on the air. Awesome. What a badge of honor that is. Hey, uh, well, I know who you are, so you, it's not that big a deal. <laughs> Arguably so. But, um, <laughs> no, congratulations, I, everybody. So my question, thank you. My, my question is, uh, has to do with Ezekiel eighteen twenty, And okay. um, I'll just read that verse and then ask my question. So it says, uh-huh. the soul who sins shall not, or excuse me, shall die. The son shall not suffer for the iniquity of the father, nor the father suffer the iniquity of the son. Uh-huh. And so I just want to know how this squares with the passage that says that, um, I will visit the iniquity of the fathers to the third and fourth generation. Yeah. So specific sins, like say, let's say a father steals something. You don't put the son in jail for what that father did. However, on the other hand, if you have a bunch of, uh, like have a, a father who moves his, uh, his family out into the desert, the family <laughs> suffers if that was a really bad decision. And so we have two different kinds of representation. One, the fathers uh, and the people of Israel, they'll be visited with the iniquities, with the challenges, with the problems that are due to their bad choices and their sins. They're unrepentant and they're suffering the consequences of what they have. That's different than Ezekiel 18.20, which deals with the issue of punishment specifically for specific sins. That you don't take the father who sinned, who stole, and you put his son in jail. That's the difference. And there's a break, so hold on, buddy. We'll get back and talk to you after the break, okay? Hey, folks, if you want to give me a call, we have three open lines, 877-207-2276. We'll be right back. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, everyone, welcome back to the show. If you want to give me a call, all you got to do is dial 877-207-2276. Scott, you're back on the air. You still there? Yes, I am. So the gist of it is, tell me if I get this right here. So the father who sends directly accrues punishment for said sin. Now, when the father sins and the son gets affected by it, it's more of an indirect uh, right. coming than, okay, mm-hmm. so yeah, okay, I get it. Yep, so that's cool. uh, the issue is Exodus 25. You shall not worship them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children. Well, what does it mean to visit the iniquity on them? Well, if they're going to serve false gods, that means their children are going to uh, serve false gods. So God's going to visit iniquity upon the fathers of the fathers on the children. They're going to suffer too. But Exodus, or excuse me, Ezekiel eighteen twenty, uh, the son will, will not bear the punishment of the father's iniquity, nor will the father bear the punishment of the son's iniquity. And that deals with specific crimes, and that is uh, a judicial issue. And Exodus twenty is a covenantal issue. And I'll just have to explain this. A covenant is a pact or an agreement between two or more parties. So a covenant is has boundaries. 
So marriage is a covenant. Till death do you part, you'll keep to your spouse and no one else provide, protect, etc. Well, the Ten Commandments are a covenant document. And it's a single document. It's ten and ten in the two commandments. I'll explain why. Those who this might be new to. It's uh, the Ten Commandments follow what's called the suzerain uh, vassal treaty pattern from the third millennium BC, and which means that the covenant system that that uh, they would use a big king and a little king, a suzerain and a vassal, big king, little king, and the big king would uh, institute a, a covenant. So if you go to Exodus 20, uh, he says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. So this is one of the things that would be done in the covenant is the big king, the suzerain, would say, this is who I am, this is what I've done, this is why I'm qualified in this area. And then there's stipulation, you shall have no other God before me, and if you do, here's a, a penalty. And if you keep the covenant boundaries, you're rewarded. If you break them, you are punished. And that's in those Ten Commandments. And so, when Moses came down with the Ten Commandments, it was not a list of five and five, or four and six. It was ten and ten. And the reason is because each party would get a copy of the covenant. So the two covenant documents were put in the Ark of the Covenant, which is in the in uh, the Ark, uh, the Holy of Holies, which was in possession of of the people, the Jews, and also uh, was the presence of God. So that's what that is. So, so the, anyway, that's why you know the Ten Commandments are covenantally uh, ratified. They're covenantally proclaimed. So he will covenantally bring the iniquity and the visit upon the, the children as well. But Exodus, excuse me, Ezekiel 18.20 is not about a covenant aspect. It's simply about individual crimes. And that's why there's a difference. Okay? Makes sense. Okay. Now, with the covenant here, um, the definition you gave of, of covenant is, is what I've hear, uh, heard mostly. But, um, you know, it makes me wonder about the covenant uh, that, with Abraham. And in that sense, it almost looks like it's more of a one-sided, God-only yes. type of covenant. Okay, because, yeah, he was, he was sleeping when God sealed the, the thing. Yes. So, I mean... There are different yeah. kinds so, of covenants. Um, that's the whole thing. Covenant theology is really interesting, but it's varied. So God made a covenant with Adam. Don't eat of the tree and you'll be fine. One stipulation. You do it, you're going to die. And the sign of that covenant was, um, was the tree. And so the Abrahamic covenant, I'll give you all the land and bless you through you, all the nations shall be blessed. And then the covenant sign was circumcision. But Noah, for example, uh, skip Noah there, you know, God promised that he would never uh, uh, flood the earth again and kill all. And the covenant sign is, is uh, the rainbow. And so that covenant sign, for, that covenant, for example, is one way, it's unidirectional. God's never going to do it. There's nothing you got to do to worry about it. It's not going to happen again. But the covenant of the Ten Commandments has both parties involved. You shall do this, you shall not do that. If you do, you'll be good. If you don't, you don't. So there's different kinds yeah. of covenants. Unilateral covenants, there's bilateral covenants, there's blood covenants, there's temporary covenants, there's permanent covenants, there's eternal covenants, spoken of in, the, in Hebrews 13, 20. So that's all. It's just different ones. Okay. But Exodus 20? Well, yeah, you're right. Is, yeah. It's a suzerain vassal treaty pattern covenant. Okay. 
All right. All right. Yeah, I was just going to say you're you're right when you say these things are, are interesting. It's one thing I'm diving into right now, and and I guess that would be my last question. Would you? What do you think about the guy who deals with this called J uh, G K Beal? I don't know who it is. Oh, okay. Well, uh, I why? guess I'll let you know how he is. <laughs> Because I'm reading them is all. Uh, I'm studying some covenant stuff, and he's one of the guys I'm reading about it. Okay. Um, I would focus on Meredith Klein, K-L-I-N-E. This guy the was reason, the protege I, of Klein, actually. What's that? This uh, yeah. Beal apparently uh, learned under uh, yeah. the guy you just mentioned, Klein. Right. Klein was our professor in seminary, and... Uh, I remember this very clearly, that Klein, Meredith Klein would be walking back and forth in front of the class, and he had his Bible open, and he's reading out of the Bible, you know, just as fast as I'd read out of my Bible, and he's pointing and flipping pages, until I saw that he was reading out of the Hebrew. That's how fast wow. he could do, and he knew it. And he uh, apparently knew other languages, and he's the guy who discovered the suzerain vassal treaty pattern by studying ancient Ugaritic or whatever it was. So... He's the main guy, and I remember in class him just going to town on Covenant and just being dumbfounded by how much he knew, just amazed, stunned. And my jaw would just ratchet open, and this guy, I'd say, this guy's incredible. And uh, I can't even repeat uh, even a tenth of a percent of what this guy was teaching. He was that wow. good. So Meredith Klein is the one I would recommend you go to. And you don't have to agree with everything he's, he says, of course, but he's he was incredible. And uh, check it out. All, All right. right. Last question. Is he still alive? I don't know. I think he passed away because uh, it was 30 years ago that he was our professor. So I think he was in his 50s then. So I, I don't know. All right. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate your time. All right, man. God bless, buddy. All right. That was Scott. And uh, we have three open lines if you want to give me a call, 877-207-2276. Let's get to Max from Ohio. Hey, Max, welcome. You're on the air. Hey, how are you doing? Doing all right. That's right. So what do you got, buddy? What's up? Um, so I, my question is, uh, is Christmas a pagan holiday? Uh, should Christians observe or celebrate it? And is it forbidden in the Bible? No, it's not forbidden in the Bible, and uh, its origination was pagan, because it on December 25th, which uh, we get a break here, I'll explain the origins of it and uh, why we are able to celebrate it. Okay, so if you hold on. Hey, folks, we have three open lines. Why don't you give me a call? 877-207-2276. We were right back. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, everyone, welcome back to the show. If you want, you can give me a call, 877-207-2276. Let's get back on with Max from Ohio. Are you still there, buddy? Yes, I am. All right. So I could ask you questions here, but yes, we can still we can celebrate Christmas, it's okay if you believe it's okay. And if you don't, you shouldn't. I can give you the origins of it if you want. It's up to you. You want to 
ask anything in relationship to that or what? Are you there? Hello? Max, I'm not hearing you. Uh, let's see. Uh, I'm sorry, can you hear me now? Yeah, there you go. Now I hear you. All right. Sorry, sorry about that. Sorry. Um, sure. Yeah, so I do know about the origins of Christmas. Like it used to be called Saturnalia, uh, like when the pagan em- or, or the Roman Empire celebrated it on December 25th, when it was the end of the uh, week of celebrating like the worship of the sun god. And um, yep. I've, I've just listened to a few podcasts on it, so that's where my kind of my um, suspicions are just my thoughts on the game. So, um, okay. so that's kind of my background. And then I also know like Jeremiah 10, two through four, that says, uh, learn not the way of the heathens for what they do is in vain when they, uh, take down a tree and deck it with silver and gold and then, mm-hmm. uh, make it so the topples not. And that's kind of going back to like the Christmas tree whole thing. So, um, that's just kind of where I, where I come from. All right. So here's the thing is that, uh, we're not under the law anymore because Christians have died with Christ. That's Romans 6, 6, Romans 6, 8, Colossians 3, 3, mm-hmm. and Romans 7, 4. If you've died with Christ, you're free from the obligations of the law. The stuff in the Old Testament is the obligations of the law. So are we under obligation to follow that law? Well, there's a yes and a no. Certain aspects of the law were to follow and certain aspects were not. Is this one of the ones we're to follow? If you believe it is, then you ought to. If you believe it's not something to follow, then you're free. So what is our position in Christ? If you go to 1 Corinthians 10, 23, I'm going to start reading, and it says something very interesting, which is related to this. It says, all things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful, but not all things edify. Let no one seek his own good, but that of his neighbor. Eat anything that is sold in the meat market without asking questions for conscience sake. For the earth is the Lord's and all it contains. If any one of the unbelievers invites you and wants you to go, to go, eat anything that is set before you without asking questions for conscience sake. But if anyone says to you, this meat is uh, sacrificed to idols, don't eat it for the sake of the one who informed you and for conscience sake. I mean, not your own conscience, but the other man's. Why is my freedom judged by another's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I slandered concerning that for which I give thanks? So what Paul is saying here is that Christians could eat meat sacrificed to pagan idols. I mean, they would back in the day. They would uh, often have pagan worship services. They'd sacrifice animals, and then they would kill them, and the blood be offered to the pagan gods. And then they would, uh, and then the offering the death would be offered to the pagan gods. And they would take these animals. They'd go down to the market and sell it, make some money off of it. The Christians were free to eat it. Now it may, may sound counterintuitive, but that's what Paul's teaching. And why is it they're free? Because it's, it's nothing ultimately. And you shouldn't do it if it's going to stumble somebody else, which is why he starts off this whole thing. Uh, don't seek your own good, but your good of your neighbor. And if you're eating the meat, stumble somebody else, then don't do it. But you're free. You can take the same principle and apply it to Christmas. Yeah, it had pagan origins with Saturnalia. And yeah, the pagans would do mistletoe and use evergreens because they were symbols of life that stayed green during the winter. But does it mean then, oh, if I'm celebrating Christmas, it therefore means I'm celebrating a pagan holiday? Well, of course not. What it means is, hey, we have the, the, uh, the, the work of Christ that we're looking to. 
So what do you do, hypothetically, if a boy and a girl uh, and mom and dad who are Christians raise them believing, uh, you know, in Jesus and the whole bit, and, and they have Christmas? And the kids never learn about the origins of, of Christmas, you know, the, that particular day. And they're celebrating, and each uh, December 25th, the family has a dinner, and they have a plate with an empty chair. And that's supposed to be representing Jesus, because they're celebrating his birth. Well, would that be pagan? Well, of course not. Does it mean they're in sin? Well, of course not. You see? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it kind of does remind me of uh, the end of James 4, where um, if you know you've done something wrong and it's against your conscience, then you have sinned. Um, there's a lot in that chapter, but there's something like that. And then like Romans 14 definitely has a good passage on if uh, you have um, different viewpoints on a certain day to celebrate or meat to eat or something to drink that you don't uh, you don't uh, go against another believer and make them go astray even or, or go too far with your differences. You just... Um, you know, it do what your conscience tells you. So, um, right. Yeah. So, so Christians yeah. are free to celebrate Christmas, but they don't have to. And if they do celebrate it, well, in their hearts, they're, they're intending to celebrate the birth of Christ. That's fine. And if they want to have a tree, they can have a tree. If someone comes over to my house and says, you shouldn't have a tree, you say, that's not what the scriptures teach. Yes, it is. Go to Jeremiah 10. Well, you're under the old covenant. And have to teach them theology, etc. Okay, so you're free to do it. You're free not to do it. Well, that's what it is. Okay, I that's think that it. answers my question. But, yep. So did it help, or did it change your view, or just confirm your view? I'm just kind of curious. <laughs> um, probably didn't change my view. As long as, like you said, like if uh, if I'm convicted and convinced that it's it's something I I shouldn't celebrate, then I'll, I'll go with it, and you know, that's right. I can do some more research. Through the scriptures for sure, and another thing I remember, like uh, one more scripture I'll end up on is uh, Amos five twenty one, where it says, uh, "It's the Lord speaking." Um, he says, "I hate your holiday, I hate your feast days, I despise them," and that could easily be, you know, the holidays that uh, um, Satan has made uh, in this world, and the ones that he's kind of disguised as uh, as an angel of the light, the ones that seem good but are not. I, I really like to observe the the, the feast days that God gives in Leviticus twenty three with like the uh, Sabbath, the uh, Feast of Trumpets, Feast of Tabernacles, Feast of, or the Day of Atonement, and all that, all those days. So, you know, that's just kind of my view. But, okay. um, I got a question for you. Good. That's okay. Mm -hmm. I got a question for you. What do you have to do to have your sins forgiven? Just curious. Uh, you need to be, repent of your sin and, and believe in Jesus Christ. Does repentance get you saved? Uh, no, Jesus does. Okay. So, repentance is not the thing that gets you saved because is repentance I'm, I'm not saying we shouldn't repent but I'm just going to ask a more technical question isn't repentance compliance with the law um yes it is yes don't lie don't steal so I'm not saying don't repent and we ought to we, we ought to the question is is our repentance with our faith in Christ that which saves us that's the question. Yes. If you say yes, then you have a false gospel. Because it's not repentance and faith. It's not faith and something. It's not faith in Christ and our repentance. Because then you're saying, 
I am saved by faith as long as I also stop doing bad things. That's compliance with the law. Repentance, on the other hand, is something granted by God, 2 Timothy 2.25. He grants we have faith, Philippians 1.29. So repentance is something God grants to us, but it's not causative or maintenance for salvation. It is part and parcel of what God does in his regenerative work of us. So that we are supposed to repent, make sure everybody understands me, because sometimes people take me out of context. Matt Slick said, don't repent of your sins to get saved. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that repentance is not the thing in combination with faith that saves you. It's faith alone. And repentance is something you do because you're regenerated and it's something that is obligated by to all Christians to to do. You with me? Yes, so it's more like a fruit and like evidence of your salvation that right. from your faith you repent. Okay. Yes. But yet it's also a command. Repent and believe the gospel. Repent from your sins. Because that is what is obligatory. Because God is the standard of righteousness and we are obligated to stop sinning. In First Peter 1.16, God says, Be holy, for I am holy. Well, we're obligated to be holy. Well, I can't. That's right. But that doesn't mean it's not your duty, because God is a standard, not man. So we're obligated to repent. In Acts 17.30, God commands everyone everywhere to repent, because that's what they should do. But their repentance doesn't get them salvation. Their compliance with the law doesn't. We're obligated to repent, but that's not a combination thing with our faith. We're justified by faith, Romans 5.1, the faith that God grants to us, Philippians 1.29, that's in Christ, John 6.28. That's how it works, okay? That help out? Yeah, yeah, I fell. I fell. All right, man. God bless, buddy. All right. Well, that was Max from Ohio, and we have nobody waiting. If you want to give me a call, hey, the number is 877-207-2276. We'll be right back. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, everyone, welcome back to the show. We have nobody waiting, and if you want to give me a call, all you got to do is dial 877-207-2276. Now, I hope that last conversation was informative, because I want people to understand something as Christians. We are free in Christ. What I want to do is read you something in uh, Romans chapter uh, 7. And it's very interesting and theologically it's really important. He says this, this is uh, Romans 7, 1 through 4. Or do you not know, brethren, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law has jurisdiction over a person as long as he lives? For the married woman is bound by law to her husband while he is living. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law concerning the husband. So then, if while her husband is living she is joined to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from the law, so that she is not an adulteress, though she is joined to another man. Verse 4. Therefore, my brethren, you also were made to die to the law, through the body of Christ, so that you might be joined to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. 
All right. So you were made to die to the law through the body of Christ. Well, if you were to just go back a chapter, and you go back to Romans chapter 6, verse 6, it says, Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, in order that our body of sin might be done away with. And in verse 8, it says, Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Now, if I were to go to Colossians chapter 3, it says this, in verse 1, therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, that means you've died to die to be raised, right? If you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things of the earth. What are the things of the earth? It's rituals, festivals, obligations, all these things that you've got to do uh, in the sense of righteousness, okay? For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Which I think is a fantastic statement. That's Colossians 3.3. 3. You have died. Well, when did we die? We died when Christ died. Now, this brings up some interesting theological perspectives. So how is it that we died when Christ died? Because he died 2,000 years ago. Sometimes when I ask people, when did you die with Christ? They'll say, when I got baptized. Well, that's not what the Bible says. You're like, you died with Christ. Romans 6, 6. Okay, that's what it says. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him. In Romans 6, 8, you have died with Christ. So he died with him when he was crucified. Whoa, well, what does that mean? Well, now we have to get into what's called federal headship, and then I'm going to irritate you with a logical necessity. Federal headship is the teaching that the male, not the female, represents the descendants. Adam and Eve were in the garden. She sinned first. She gave the fruit to Adam. Then he sinned. But sin entered the world through Adam, Romans 5.12. Not through her, even though she was in the world and she sinned first. Furthermore, in Romans 5.19, it says, Through the transgression of the one, the many were made sinners. The transgression of the one is, um, is Adam. Because the previous verse, Romans 5.18, says through the transgression of the one, uh, the, uh, the result of condemnation to all men. And that transgression of the one, that's Adam. And we know that from Romans 5.12, where he says, uh, sin entered the world through one man. So that's what's going on. All right. So that's what's interesting, is that theologically, it necessitates that uh, Christ represented his people. Now, here's a question. Did he represent every individual? That's just a good question. Because if we died with Christ and we died 2,000 years ago, does that? what about the people who go to hell? Did they die with Christ 2,000 years ago and thereby die to the law? I don't see how that's possible. It seems to me the logic necessitates that he died for those given to him by the Father, John six thirty-seven. All that the Father gives me will come to me. So the Father has given some to the Son. He came to redeem them. He says, he says in John 10, 15, says, I lay my life down for the sheep. And he says later, 26, you're, you're not my sheep, you're the goats. So this is interesting stuff. How precise is God? Very. How wonderful is he? Well, very. Does he know what he's doing? Absolutely. So we who have died with Christ are freed from the obligations of the Old Testament law, which is why Paul also says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 16. He says something really interesting right there. He says, 
Therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. These are mere shadows of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. So don't let anybody judge you on what festivals you keep, what new moons, what celebrations you have. No one's to judge you on those things. Because we're no longer under the law, we've died with Christ, are free from the law. And that's it. We're free. We don't have to keep the law to be saved. We don't have to keep the law to maintain our presence with God. That's by His work, not ours. There you go. Um, let's get to Xavier from Florida. Xavier, welcome. You're on the air. Hello. Hello. What do you got, man? Yeah, the the, the Bible contains a passage. It says Joshua ten thirteen that the sun stood still and the moon stopped. Um, mm-hmm. But we know that scientifically, that that's not how cosmology works. Like if the sun stops, the day doesn't last longer. Okay. So what's your point? Because we rotate around the sun. Yes. We rotate well, around the sun. The sun doesn't rotate around us. So I know that. That's a scientific so, inaccuracy. What's a scientific inaccuracy? The sun verse, still? Joshua ten thirteen. Well, that would be yeah. And the moon stopped. Well, hold on. I know more about this than I'm letting on. I'm just asking you, um, why is that a problem? Okay. If the sun stood still, it really means the it means potentially the Earth's rotational spin on its axis stopped. Right. That's one possibility, right? It's not the yes. orbit around the sun. It's the axial work. It's the actual momentum, angular momentum of the Earth moving. All right? Around this axis, okay? Right? But what if, what if the uh, the angle of the tilt changed, which has happened several times? It's happened over uh, over the, the eons. There's evidence for this in the magnetic fields that are embedded in the Earth. What if, hypothetically, around that time, the axis of the uh, the rotational axis just shifted a little bit? Could it then make it look like the sun was staying in, still in the sky when the Earth was shifting? Is that possible? Is that possible? Sure. Okay. But the verse says the sun stopped in the middle of the sky. Yeah. And so I'm saying, the Holy, if, if you believe in inspiration, that's, it says the moon stopped. The Holy also. Spirit saying it happened. Yeah, so what's yeah. the problem? If God caused the earth to have an axial tilt, it could certainly mean that the appearance of the moon and the sun stopped in the sky just for a little while until the shift had occurred, right? Right. No, that is correct. But that's not what the verse says. I know what it says. The moon's sun stopped. Do you actually think that, that the earth's axis, axial movement, literally stopped? Don't you think? I don't think it happened. Okay, so what does it mean I when it says a sun stud? If from the human perspective, looking up, that's what it looked like, right? Right? Yes. So what really was going on? It looked like it stopped. That's what's going on. So what could be possible explanations for that? Are you there? Yeah, Let me ask you. Let me ask you. Do you believe God exists? No. Okay, so if from the Christian perspective that this is true and God exists, then this is not a problem because God, who's the creator of the universe, can do what he wants. 
and he can certainly make the earth do whatever he wants. So this is called an internal critique. But what you're doing is called you're then presupposing that science is the only way to know truth, which is not true. And you have to then presuppose and embed that or impose that over the biblical narrative and say, well, therefore it's wrong. But I could do the reverse and say, well, the Bible says this, therefore your scientific understanding is called an external critique. It's not a valid critique. Okay. Are you there? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's so what Muslims you're look say. At when we, we point something out that's unscientific in the Quran, that's that's exactly what Muslims say. Well, we're not talking about Muslims, okay? So the thing, we're talking about Christianity. Islam is fat out false, I can prove it from the Quran. But this is what we're talking about here. If that can happen, then that can happen. If God exists, then he can do that. That's not a con inconsistency in the Christian worldview. And if the sun stood still and the moon stopped, well, then there could be a real physical explanation for it was an axial tilt as a shifting. And that's there's some evidence for that. I've studied this kind of stuff. And if that's the case, then that would explain it. Well, then, then what? It would be accurate, wouldn't it? Is that possible? I don't see how. Okay, you don't see how. Have you studied this? Are you aware that there are two North Poles on the Earth? Are you aware of that? Yes. Are you aware? Okay, which are, what are the two then? What are they? What do you mean? What are the two North Poles? They're different. What are they? One is... <laughs> one is what? Okay, you don't know. North and South. So one is... One is magnetic north, and one is geographical north, the axial uh, north. And the, the magnetic north is shifting. So there's, it's happening, and we're due for a shift. So there's also the issues of continental drift and a lot of theories that go around with this. I don't know if you study science, but I do. I love science. I have no problem with it. Okay? I mean, I love science. Did you know that the Bible actually has a lot of science in it? That's very accurate. Did you know? Yeah, that? there could be. There, there are many things that are accurate scientifically, but I also see things that are not. Well, um, you say that, and and this one I just gave you a, a possible explanation for, and you just seem to be dismissive of it. So why is that? Is that because you're an atheist? No. What are you then? A Buddhist. Oh, you're a Buddhist. Well, um, Buddhism doesn't work. And we're almost out of time, so how about this? What if, if you want, you call tomorrow and I'll tell you why Buddhism is self-refuting? We'll go through it. Would you like to do that? Sure. Just asking. But I saw okay. I found that Christianity is self-refuting also. So I would just lose no, both not. of them. No, it's not. Um, I tell you what. I will show you why Buddhism can't be true, why it's self-refuting tomorrow when you call. And you try, and in one at a time, you give me a reason why Christianity is false, and I'll, let's see if I can answer it. Maybe I can't, but let's see. Okay? Does that sound good? Sound fair? Here's the sure. music. All right. And uh, I guess your name is Xavier. So I'm looking forward to you calling tomorrow. We'll check things out. All right, buddy? 
right? Thanks for calling, too. That'll be good. All right. All right. That was Xavier. And Phil from Florida. Are we in the end times? Oh, please call back tomorrow. That we got to talk about. I'm going to teach you about depressedology. Hey, folks. We'll be right back. Well, no, you won't. We'll be back on tomorrow by God's grace. Talk to you then. Another program powered by the Truth Network.